This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my gosh. Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it. Players, coaches, insiders. Let's go. And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy duddies. Now, swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. That's an intro. Just think, we've been doing these cold intros for horsing around for months, years now. That's a bold intro. It even got my fuddy duddies and swag. In swag. Hey, we're going to get to watch swag starting here in training camp. Saturday morning, it gets underway. Andrew Mason, Andy Lindahl here from the studios at the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse, where if you've been watching KTVD Channel 20, in Denver, you've seen our Orange and Blue Daily. This is where we do it. Columbus and Lindahl, 7 to 10, of course, on Orange and Blue, 760. First and 10 at 10, me, Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, 10 to 1. And Andy? Yes. It's finally here. It's, yes. I think, I yes. think you got you and Ryan Edwards. We just did our Facebook Live uh, wrap on, Orange, on the Orange and Blue 760 Facebook page. We did. Yeah. And the best analogy is about the car. You've had a long drive, and you're in that last hour. You know you're close. You know you're almost home. But that last hour of the drive, fatigue is setting in. Your eyes are drooping. It's the longest one. Yeah, it, it takes forever. It takes, it takes, like, the last hour of a car ride is, frankly... The longest hour of your life. After you've been in the car, understand, we're talking about 10, 12 hours. You're on that last hour. When you get on the road at first, you're okay, right? It's whatever. We're going to just relax. But you can sense you're close to home. That's what this past week has been like, Andrew Mason. And then we were the last team, one of the last four teams to open camp. I know. That bothers me. Yeah. You don't I, get I those two. Thursdays back. You don't get those two days of practice back. I know. That's the thing. And on top of it. You, you see, I kind of like that you got the pads going on Sundays. Sundays would be the uppers, as Tyler called it. They started to thud each other a little bit. Yes. You'd be able to go full speed. Now we won't see that till next week. It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Yeah, two days, and then there's a shells day, and then there's a pads day. So, for you listening, you're in the Denver area. Tuesday, training camp. Be there. This said, here's what's really cool, and hopefully you're catching this before Saturday. Saturday and Sunday, really, this first weekend, honestly, folks, I think you know the drill, but if you don't, the guys get tired as it goes along. That should go without saying. Mm -hmm. So their desire to sign autographs, although this team's always good about it, but guys are really more fresh, enthusiastic, willing to maybe linger a little bit longer with the Mm -hmm. autograph line. That's true. Earlier we are in camp, so it's awesome that it starts on Saturday and Sunday for that reason. Probably a couple of big crowds coming out, maybe potential record crowds. And I would also anticipate, in addition to big crowds on the weekends, and in training camp itself, at least until the first preseason game, there isn't an off day on a Saturday or Sunday. So you get Saturday, Sunday, then the following Saturday, Sunday as well, and then the first kind of off day that's a weekend day is the day after the Vikings game to open the preseason. So you got plenty of weekend opportunities to come watch the Broncos. The off days for the players are during the week, not the weekend, at least until the preseason opener. That last practice 
open to fans during training camp is going to be a joint practice with the Chicago Bears. So that's going to be going out with a bang. And then, of course, you know, when the pads go on next week, it's going to be popping a little bit. And I think there will also be a very enthusiastic crowd coming out, even though last year's season was so deflating. I just feel like there's a little bit uh, more optimism. I think it's inevitable. I think you may sit there and say over the course of the offseason, oh, they don't have this, they don't have that, they don't have the other. But every year as the season draws closer, that optimism kind of kicks in to the point where when you get to the first game day, nothing can tell you that your team could possibly lose the game. That's how I felt as a fan growing up, and I kind of get that sense uh, even just from putting a Twitter poll out and, and today asking fans, hey, how many games do you think the Broncos are going to win this year? We did this during first and 10, ten before the press conferences began. And uh, just got to scroll down here. 61% of Broncos fans who answered the poll today said the Broncos would win 9 or 10 games this year. 13% said 11 or more. So that's 74%. Again, it's not scientific, but it seems like a pretty solid majority of the fans think that despite last year, this team is going to be back on the right side of 500. Look, a new quarterback does that, doesn't he? Maybe. Everybody mm -hmm. wanted Kirk Cousins to start the season, but you got Case Keenum. Um, and I had said this earlier in the week. I hate saying it because I love Trevor. And honestly, I don't know. I liked, I, I hate I hate what this last two years has done when it comes to the whole Paxton Lynch thing. Because you know what? I've had to give you an, an analysis the best I could about what I thought Paxton Lynch could be. But that doesn't mean I'm not hoping for good things for Paxton Lynch. I hope he turns this whole thing around, and I hope he rewrites the narrative. But I had said earlier in the week on, on our show, Columbus and Lindahl, I had said, here's the deal. When it comes to Paxton and Trevor, the fans are done with it. They didn't want to deal with it anymore. Because Tyler Tyler had said, why didn't we just keep Trevor as a backup? And and I'd have loved that Couldn't plan. do that. But you could. The, the fans wanted something new, and they wanted no threat. I don't think Trevor would have beat out Case, but you didn't even want that possibility there at this point, right? Yeah, and do you remember the, the tepid fan reaction at the Jets game when Trevor Simeon was introduced? Yeah. That told me, okay, it's done. That it's just time to move on. With all, and sometimes this happens that, uh, yeah, he could have probably been a good backup for Case Keenum, no doubt. But the atmosphere, and I'm not talking about within the team, I'm talking about the community, the stadium, and all that. It becomes so toxic where a large group of the fans can basically says, okay, we don't want to see this guy anymore, and it's just time for all parties to move on. I remember as a Bucks fan, it happened with Vinny Testaverde. And Vinny Testaverde ended up having a very good career, but in 1992, after six seasons, it just felt good for all parties to just say, okay, that's it. We've got to move on. It, we, may, we may not be going in a better direction, but we have to go in a different direction. Kyle Orton, same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. In 2011. Could not, you couldn't put him back out there for the second half against the Chargers. That crowd would have eaten him alive. So they get their new quarterback. Yes. There is a new hope. I can't wait to watch the running backs. I'm excited to watch because Mike Kliss told us on Orange and Blue 760 on Friday that Cortland Sutton is going to be the third guy. If they have to move Emmanuel in, they'll do it. But Cortland's impressed enough people. Deshaun's going to probably be the fourth guy. There's a lot of interesting parts to watch. And, and Andrew, you and I like a Troy Fumagalli, intrigued by the kid, but we'll see what happens. I think 
with Jake Butt, with Jeff Hireman. I'm not going to uh, cross off the list Austin Trailer. He was the most consistent last year in the second half. I thought Hireman showed th- some things to be, you know, at least intrigued by, if not excited by when we come into this year. There's some exciting potential to tight end for the first time in a while, too. I've got four tight ends on my 53 right now. Are they the four I mentioned? Yes. Trailer can block. Hireman, I think you want to have at least a guy with some experience. He has eight starts. Uh, I think there's 12 starts in that tight end room right now on their collective resume and eight belong to Jeff Hireman. And he did show promise at the end of last year. And then Jake Button and Troy Fumagawa, he's going to be eased back in coming off the sports hernia. But I thought it was an interesting comment from Vance Joseph today when I asked him about Troy Fumagawa going back to kind of his senior ball work. And I think because they saw what he could do there, how he took to the teaching of Bill Musgrave and tight ends coach Chief Christ, I think they felt like they could and can be patient with Troy Fumagalli. They really have an idea what his skill set is and how he can help. Running back, got to touch on that for a minute. On Thursday on our show, Steve Atwater, Ryan Edwards, and I, we kind of did a series of categories. Breakout guy, comeback kid, rising star, don't forget about. Uh, John Ledyard, uh, who we've had as a guest uh, talking uh, supplemental draft, NFL draft, actually kind of did that for teams, and I, we kind of piggybacked off him. My breakout player, Royce Freeman. Yeah, I'm, I think we're all expecting that, right? I th- matter of fact, I think we're probably hoping for it. Uh, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but when we talk about things that you want to see changed, as much as Devontae Booker has shown an ability to be a part of the mix, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm confident yet for him to be the bell cow. The main guy, the first and second down guy. Now, maybe he comes out, he takes this challenge before him, and he goes and he answers that bell. But Man, I am excited about a Royce Freeman just like you. And I guess just because the guy's had so many carries in his career, I'm expecting him to show us something on the on par with CJ. The only thing that makes me nervous about all this, Andy, Andy, Andrew, <laughs> the thing no that makes me... No one calls me, me Andy. Yeah, I know, and I'm the Andy. I'll be Drew then. Um, I hate the name <laughs> Drew, by the way. You know, I hate Andy. I mean, to me, you're an Andy. But I hate Andy. I think maybe it was because... Well, because you're stuffy. And you like the fedora. And you, and you like Tyler, prefer the finer things in life. That's true. I do. You, you like Grey Poupon mustard instead of French's. I'm just French's yellow. Yellow mustard is terrible. It's like American cheese. It's awful. I am a, yes, I am a Dijon mustard or stone ground mustard guy. I can be a little bit fancy. I think the reason why I don't like Andy is because I grew up in the South and... People would say, Andy, you'd think of Aunt B saying it. Andy, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a fancy boy. Anyway, fancy boy. Anyway, yes. here's the thing. I guess my only, if we're just, we're just providing some level, trying to be even with things. Yes. Because I'm always excited every Broncos season. Love to see what it brings. There's been plenty of years where they've surprised you in a good way and a couple were maybe in a bad way. But the only thing that makes me nervous about this year, because I do expect a playoff berth. I don't think I expect the division just yet, but at least I, I think they could be a wild card. Um, I think they could win the division now, looking at the Chargers being without two key players with the news that Jason Verrett's out for the year with the torn Achilles. Hunter Henry's already gone for the year. Well, maybe that reevaluates. Th- I'm just, I, I think to see divi- a couple practices first. True, but I think the division is closely clustered right yes. now. Anything could happen. Yeah. Anyone could win it all in the division. Anyone could finish fourth. But here's my thing. The reason why I'm nervous about my optimism is we are we are going to be relying on a lot of very young players, and mm-hmm. in some cases, in a lot of cases, rookies. A Bradley Chubb, a Royce Freeman, a Cortland Sutton. 
Uh, you've got your first year starter in Jake Butt, uh, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I just get a little nervous how many young guys have to have good years because you and I know not every move works out. The no. law of averages tell you, tells you not everybody you bring in is going to be what you expect them to be. Even when you like a draft class on paper. And we love it. Yes. I looked at this draft class. You know, there are some years when the draft picks came around, I'd think, hmm, interesting. And interesting isn't necessarily good. This was one draft class where all the picks, I'm, I thought, okay, that's logical. I can see it. it make, the pick makes sense. The player makes sense. The position at this spot makes sense. The value made sense, I thought, across the board. Well, because you and I talked about him. Troy Fumagalli in the sixth round puts him over. That just puts it over. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was talking to you about him last season. In the third round. Yeah. We talked earlier in the year, and you were saying third or fourth round. You got me on the foom. You gave me such a great chat. It inspired me to call our mutual friend Chris Hall and said, get me the goods, Chris. I'm sure we we'll, started. We uh, started the, the train. We'll start the train on some more Wisconsin players as the season goes on, I'm sure. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. You're already looking ahead, aren't you? You've already got like your 12-round Mace mock draft for the next three years cooking, don't you? Not quite, but I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I've looked ahead on some players and some picks. I can't wait for the draft prep, draft season discussion on Mackenzie Milton, the quarterback out of Central Florida, when he comes out. Because there's a lot of the Baker Mayfield skill set with him without some of the negatives, but he's a little bit shorter. Well, here's the he's thing. going to be polarizing, but he can play. You know what? I, I'm just I'm going to tell you I'm done. Let's watch some practices. Yes, and then let's start talking about what we've seen. Before we go, it's a little bit shorter podcast than normal, but hey, there's going to be a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. So a lot. We, we will be back plenty of times. A lot of, of course, Troy Fumagalli talk. Yes, and Jake Butt. Butt and Fumagalli. What are you going to do if Fumagalli still well, has a sports? Well, I'm going to tell you something though. When I look at Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli, two of the more successful programs slash philosophies for producing tight ends are Wisconsin. Of course, had Owen Daniels here out of Wisconsin. And Stanford. And, of course, where did Jim Harbaugh coach for a while and establish the philosophy? Stanford. So even though Jake Butt went to Michigan, you're effectively getting a Stanford type of tight end. I like how you did that. I like how how you went there. As I should. It's logical. That that's a Dijon mustard type of drawing of lines. Appreciate that. I put Dijon with mustard. your sourdough bread. I put Dijon mustard on my hot dog. Just can't have Roman meal, can you? Got to have some San Francisco sourdough that you flew in. Damn right. You fancy boy. I fly in barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> fancy yeah. taste, but maybe not so fancy taste. Anyway, before we go. Besides avoiding injury, what is the one thing that you want to see happen in this training camp that would make it successful? Honestly, what makes it successful, you're, you know what? A pace to the offense and more competitive practices. I'll go that way. I, I was thinking about speaking of specific players. I'm going to go away from that. Andrew, there were too many times where you and I knew this was not a competitive practice today. And the offense did not get its days in. Back in the days of Peyton Manning, what, May 2015, you thought, okay, there could be something good here. They were battling each other. They were battling. During the Manning years, too often the offense was kind of dominating to the point where you weren't sure what you had. So last couple years has been 
defined by defensive one practices and defensive camps, I'd like to just see it be even. I hope it's near a push. Now, I do think the defense has potential to be better than the offense because of what they've established over there and the talent over there, um, especially along the line. Mm -hmm. But that said, I just hope this is – I hope it's more 60-40 than the 80-20, I feel like it's been, if even that. I want to see that. I also want to see the watchword that the Broncos have had throughout the offseason, accountability. I want to see that in play, okay? You know what? If you're struggling and you have a bad day, you loaf it a little bit, maybe you're down on the second team for a day. Sort of like in baseball when a few weeks ago, Ender and Ciarte, the Braves, didn't run out a ball that ended up dropping into shallow left field and he had to settle for a single because he loafed his way out of the batter's box when he could have had a double, end up costing them a run. He comes back to the dugout. Brian Snicker looks in his eye and says, you're down. You're down for the rest of the game. You didn't hustle. I want to see that sort of day-to-day accountability and urgency. So, hey, you know what? If we look out there and maybe someone's moved up because he's playing well or somebody has moved down because the effort isn't there, I want to see that. I want to see that urgency, if not from day one, certainly especially when those pads go on, urgency and accountability. That's what you need to see. And I'll tag onto that. We'll end it on this, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to take the last word, Dijon boy. Uh, real quickly, <laughs> well, here's what I, I thought you mentioned it during Facebook Live, so all I'm doing is really stealing your point. When you talk about accountability, if the practice isn't good, I hope we see Case Keenum start it over. Start it over. That's what Peyton used to do sometimes. I take a little of that. A little bit of Peyton? I think Case Keenum can bring that. And actually, it's interesting because Peyton has had high praise for Case Keenum. That would be something that I think would go over very well. That's Andy Lindahl, Columbus and Lindahl, 7 to 10, Monday through Friday. I'm Andrew Mason, 1st and 10, 10, Monday through Friday with Steve Atwater, Ryan Edwards. And this is Horsin' Around. This has been another edition of Horsin' Around. With Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horse and Around.